gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we approach Thee and we thank Thee for bringing us each this moment in time. We thank Thee for sparing us. We thank Thee for Thy mercy, which endures forever. O oh Lord, we uh, come before Thee confessing the sin of another week. O oh Lord, it is, it is enough uh, to, to cast us, and it is enough to preserve us a hell for all eternity. And yet, because of Thy grace and Thy mercy, we live and we can praise Thee and worship Thee thank thee for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, in him is everything. He undertakes for us in ways that uh, we don't understand and we can't even imagine, and yet we believe it to be true. He is our friend and our advocate in heaven today. Oh Lord, help us to love him. Help us to see his glory. Help us to understand more of him. Lord, help us in our uh, meeting today. Help us as we praise thee. May we sing from the bottom of our hearts, not uh, thinking that we are bringing something special to Thee, but thankful for the privilege that we can praise Thee. Help us in prayer. May our prayer not be for show, but may it be between us and Thyself. And Lord, help the preaching of, and the reading of Thy Word. Implant it deeply into our hearts. May it change us. May it uh, affect us. Give us the, uh, the Holy Spirit to enable us to understand and to walk out the truths that we hear. Help us now. We love Thee. And we ask for thy blessing for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, let's begin by singing hymn number 666. 666. Awake, my soul, in joyful lays, and sing thy great Redeemer's praise. He justly claims a song from thee, his loving kindness. Oh, how free.
please take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 9. The Gospel according to John and chapter 9. And we'll read all of chapter 9 and just into chapter 10 as well. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 9 then. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day. The night cometh, when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbours, therefore, and they which had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered, and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. And then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles. And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? He saith, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed already 
that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they unto to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him, and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvellous thing, that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshipper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, <clears throat> He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spoke, spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out, and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. 
We'll leave the reading of God's word there. May he bless it to our souls. Please take your hymn books again and turn with me to hymn number 307. 307. O Spirit of the living God, in all thy plenitude of grace, where'er the foot of man hath trod, descend on our apostate race.
it would, it would appear that my voice is deciding whether or not to abandon me. So I'd appreciate it if you, if you, if you feel me flailing, offer up a prayer that we might get through this day. Let's seek the Lord's face. Let's pray together. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before Thee and we own Thee as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And we are grateful that we can approach Thee. Teach us now to pray. Grant the help of the Holy Spirit. Help us truly to pray in faith. Oh Lord, without faith we can do nothing. Lord, we have a little and we're thankful for it, but we ask that thou would increase it. Give us a greater measure of faith. Lord, even as we speak and as we pray, help us to know and to uh, be certain that our words do penetrate the ceiling, that they reach the ear of the Almighty God that orders the stars, that holds this entire world in the palm of his hand. What a privilege that is and how infrequently uh, we use it. Oh Lord, we... Uh, We do pray for thy blessing upon this day. We thank thee for the Lord's day. We thank thee that thou hast ordained that there is one day where we can set aside the busyness and the distractions of, of our everyday life and focus upon the needs of our soul and focus upon thee. Lord, it would be better if every day was the Lord's day, but uh, even when the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. But on this day, please help us. Help us to... Uh, to keep this day holy, not just with our practice, but in our hearts. Lord, please remove from us the distractions of our lives. Help us to focus upon thee. Lord, we ask that thou would help us to examine our souls in the light of thy word. And Lord, that thou would bring repentance into every single one of our hearts. Lord, may we keep a short account with thee. Lord, even those of us who are believers, who have tasted of thy grace, whose eternity is secured, Lord, please do help us to live lives of repentance, turning away consistently again and again, turning further and further away from this world and turning more into thy light. Oh Lord, think of those things in our lives that displease thee. Oh Lord, we are not as fruitful as we should be and we could be. Lord, sometimes we need thee to dig about and to pluck up some weeds that grow in our life. And Lord, we humbly place ourselves at thy thy feet and ask that thou would deal with us. Be gentle with us, but do wither away those things that displease thee. Plant in us uh, uh, the seeds of uh, the fruits of the Spirit. Germinate them and cause them to grow and flourish and be Uh, on display in our lives, not to bring any glory to ourselves, but to thee. Lord, help each and every one of us in our personal witness, in every relationship that we have, from the most intimate relationships that we have, even to those that that are perhaps only last a few moments. Lord, help us to leave an impression upon the people that we meet and we spend time with. Oh Lord, please help us to have the name of the Lord Jesus Christ on our lips frequently. May we not be able to go too long without speaking of, speaking of him and of all that he has done for us. Truly, we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. We have been left here on earth uh, to make thy name known. And Lord, we fail thee, but give us courage and give us opportunity to speak for thee more. Give us the words to say 
Lord, we do, we do have a love uh, for uh, the general public, for, for the people that thou hast placed in our life. We do love them, uh, and yet not, elu- not enough. But Lord, help us to uh, love their souls in such a way that we cannot be silent. Please help us to witness to those in our family who do not know thee. Perhaps the hardest people to witness to our sisters and brothers, perhaps parents, perhaps even our children. But Lord, we pray that we would understand the urgency of needing to witness. Lord, thou, uh, this could be the last day. The world is ripe for judgment. This could be the last day. Lord, help us not to uh, be lethargic and lazy uh, in our calling as Christians. Please bless every family that is represented here. We know that, that Satan hates the family. He's trying to destroy it and uh, we have the potential in every single one of us to destroy relationships. Oh Lord, preserve us. Help every, uh, every couple uh, represented here. Uh, help, help us to uh, love each other. Help the husbands to love their wives uh, in a truly Christ-like way. Help the wives to, uh, to love their husbands and, and to be willing to, uh, to submit to their husbands and to help them in a world that sees that as weakness. May they see that as indeed as a strength and to meekly obey uh, their heavenly father is a, is a wonderful and uh, powerful thing. Oh Lord, we pray that that would help those of us who are parents. Help us to, uh, to, to show our children, not only by what we say, but by what we do, uh, what the most important things are. Help us not to be more enthousi- enthusiastic about our business or our leisure than we are about our God. Um, truly work in us so that uh, our religion is not a theoretical Lord's Day thing, but a living thing that uh, is the force by which we live. Lord, we, uh, we do pray for our country. Uh, we, uh, we struggle as we look around and see sin uh, so promoted and so glorified and so normalized and so excused. Uh, Lord, it, it hurts us, it grieves us. We hate to see thy name being scorned and mocked. Uh, but Lord, part of us would love for, for, uh, for thee to come and for, to receive vindication. And part of us uh, wants that to, to be delayed so that more souls are brought to thee. But Lord, we, we ask that thou would deal with our nation, deal with those at the top of our nation, uh, those in positions of authority and leadership. Lord, withhold them and restrain them when they would, uh, when they would pass laws and uh, promote ideas that are anti the gospel, anti thy ways. And Lord, but Lord, we ask that thou would have mercy upon them. Work in their hearts. We pray for our Prime Minister. We pray for him once again, as we have so many times. But Lord, work in him. Oh Lord, please bre- break him down, melt him down. Uh, cause him to see his great need, that he is a needy sinner and that he needs to be saved. Oh Lord, uh, show him that he cannot even begin to lead this country in a godly and wise way until he knows thee. Oh Lord, work in him. We, uh, we plea on his behalf. We, uh, we pray as well for the world situation. Lord, it is confusing to see what is happening in, in Russia and in Ukraine. But Lord, we know that uh, it is only thy will that is being enacted, that uh, thou art in control of every bullet and of every, uh, of every action of men. 
And Lord, we rejoice and we take great comfort in that knowledge that thou art sovereign and that there is, uh, there is no, not even one rogue atom. And yet, Lord, we, we plea on behalf of, uh, of the Ukrainian nation, Lord, we withhold uh, the, the president of Russia. Lord, cause him to, instead of uh, knuckling down in pride, see the error of his ways. Oh, Lord, humble him. May he withdraw. May he see that the huge cost of life is not worth whatever he, uh, he had planned. And Lord, we pray for the believers, especially our, our brothers and sisters who remain in Ukraine. Preserve their lives, we pray. Prepare them for their lives to end. May this sharpen the focus on their Christian living. And Lord, we pray for those that are evangelizing, those that are taking supplies to the front line, those who have contact with soldiers. Oh Lord, may they hand their lives over to thee. May they truly be careless for what may happen to their body. And Lord, bless them as they lay up treasures and riches in heaven. Bless them. Bless their efforts. We pray that, um, that souls would be added to thy kingdom in that place. Lord, we, uh, we pray uh, for, the, for the gospel worldwide. Lord, we, we know that it will progress. We know that it is unstoppable. We know that every single one of thy children whose names belong to thee will come to thee. And we rejoice in that. But Lord, we, uh, we pray that it would grow and it would flourish. We think of uh, places like Sri Lanka that is close to our hearts. We pray for uh, people in, uh, in Indonesia who are so persecuted. We pray for people in countries that are dominated by Islam where to name thee as saviour is a, a sentence of shunning and perhaps even death. But Lord, we ask that the gospel would prosper, that, it would, that thy power, thy hand would be, uh, would be displayed and that uh, thy people, that they would be preserved, or if it is thy will, that they would be taken home and leave behind them a powerful, powerful witness. Father, we pray uh, closer to home for all, the, all of those who are in trouble, those who are suffering weakness and difficulty. We pray for the members of our families, the members of this church, the members of my church at home, who are deeply struggling, struggling in their in their body, struggling in their mind, which does affect our soul. Oh Lord, please uphold them. May they, uh, even though their lives are, are perhaps difficult, not going the way that they would hope if they were in control, may they be able to stand upon the rock. And they may stand shivering and trembling, but stand upon the rock, and to know that it will not move, to know that th the everlasting arms are underneath them. Oh Lord, we pray that as, uh, as strength uh, does fade, fade from every single one of us as we live longer, as we are spared, as we see our own weakness, that that would cause us to lean harder and harder upon thee. Lord, what a place to be, drawing from thee, looking to thee, and trusting in thee. Oh Lord, remove from those of us who do not suffer at this moment. Remove all sense of self-confidence and self-reliance. What a hindrance that is. May we rely on thee now and... Uh, Lord, we pray that we would truly be growing. May we not remain as we are. Help us to grow more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, forgive us our sins. Help us now as we turn to thy word. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to open our hearts. This is a book that unless the Holy Spirit helps us, we will see it as only a book. We know that it's thy word. Please help us. 
please affect us. Please change us. Please uplift us. Challenge those that need challenging. Comfort those that need comforting. Oh Lord, we we long for thy help. We look to meet with thee. Grant us thy presence, an extra measure of thy presence now. And may we go from this place sure and certain that we have met with thee. We seek it for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, let's sing again before we turn to God's word. We'll sing hymn number 323. 323. Father of mercies, in thy word what endless glory shines. Forever be thy name adored for these celestial lines. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we'll be looking at the first 10 verses uh, together, but just to focus our minds, I will read verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved 
and shall go in and out and find pasture. I was talking to another novice preacher from my home church, and we were both saying about how we feel quite reluctant and hesitant to preach from the parables. The reason that we both felt was that they are so familiar. They're recorded many times in the Bible, and they are preached from, quite rightly, very often, but by more eloquent and wiser men than me. And there is a, a definite sense that you feel, what more can I add? These are familiar. They have been heard so many times before. And the congregation may well, perhaps correctly, think, well, I understand the teaching of this parable, and they may switch off. There may be people, whether they are saved or unsaved, but they come to church and they feel knowledgeable, they feel safe, they feel comfortable when a parable is announced. They feel as if they are on the right side of that parable. They're not prodigals, they're here at church after all. But that is not enough to just be knowledgeable and safe and comfortable. And in, in this chapter, I believe we have a parable that shows the great need not only to be able to blend in at church gatherings and understand the basic teachings of the Bible, but to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll look here, and really, if you like a title, it would be a tale of two sheepfolds. There are two sheepfolds mentioned in these first ten verses. We're introduced to this with that familiar saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, in verse 1, the Lord Jesus Christ, by using these words, he is saying, Truly, truly, listen to me. What I'm about to say carries great weight and great importance. These are serious things. Verily, verily, I say unto you, well, who is the you? We need to understand who the hearers are. We can assume that because he wrote this down, John was one of the hearers and perhaps the other disciples were there. The blind man, who we've just been learning about in chapter 9, was quite possibly there. But the you, the focus of these words, are the Pharisees. We find that in verse 40 of the preceding chapter. And some of the Pharisees, which were with him, heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? And I believe this discourse follows directly from that question. The Pharisees were the social and religious elite of that country in those days. And they were the enemies of Christ. These were those who thought that they were special, that they had great value in and of themselves, and that they had no need of saving. They were right where they wanted to be. Jesus' miracle of saving, of healing the blind man in chapter 9, instead of bringing joy to these Pharisees, it made them furious. They threw the man out of the synagogue, rejecting the truth that Jesus Christ could be the Son of God, that he could be the Messiah. They hated that. And indeed, they were the blindest of all, because they thought they had everything covered. Here they were, the spiritual leaders of the Israelite nation. They had appointed themselves as shepherds and as rulers, and they were the blind leading the blind. These are the people addressed. And this address, it's starts out with this first illustration of a sheepfold. And this first sheepfold was a different sort of sheepfold, I believe, to the second. 
Shepherding was a very common and very key occupation of Israel. Sheep, although weak and needy, they were valuable. They provided wool, milk, leather, and ultimately meat. Shepherding was a trade adopted by many of the Israelites. Abel was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. Moses, David, Amos, the shepherds were privileged to visit the nativity of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was something that everybody would understand. It's a simple and easy illustration. But this first sheepfold, I believe that it's a picture of the communal sheepfolds that they would have all been familiar with. In nearly every rural village, there would be a sheepfold attached to the village. It would have been built by the shepherds in a syndicate, in a group. And they would have built that sheepfold close to home. And in very inclement weather, the shepherds would bring in their flocks from the, uh, from the hills and they would all put their sheep in this very secure sheepfold back at home. And they would check in their sheep. Their sheep would all get mingled together, but they would be in this sheepfold. They would be given to the charge of the porter and then the shepherds would perhaps go to home or seek an inn to sleep the night until the following morning. Now, what is this sheepfold, this first sheepfold, a picture of? Well, I believe this is a picture of apostate Israel. The people of God that had lost their way. They were deeply favoured, but they had lost their way. They were religious, but they were unregenerate. There were many people who, there are many people who love to hide away in this sheepfold. They realise that the world is a scary place, it's full of sin, and they want to be safe. These are the people that always come to church, but they never have anything spiritual to say. They have no love for the Saviour. They prefer to talk about surnames, correct clothing. They believe that by keeping some rules and standards, by remaining churched, by marrying someone that is churched and making sure their children are churched, they are safe in this sheepfold. I want to demonstrate to you that this is the wrong sheepfold to be in. This is not a safe place. And please ask yourself the question, am I in the right sheepfold? Why wouldn't we stay in this first sheepfold? It seems to be safe. Well, the first thing I'd like to note is the nature of this sheepfold. And the first thing is that it's one with a security breach. There are thieves and robbers in this sheepfold. There are some people that believe this sheepfold is a picture of heaven. It can't be. There are no thieves and robbers that have broken into heaven some other way. There's a security breach. There are people there who had climbed in. They climbed in because they knew they shouldn't be there. This gives away their suspect motives. The thieves and the robbers here are the Pharisees. Christ is calling them the Pharisees, all false teachers, people that are leading the sheep astray. As Christ observed and interacted with the people of Judea and of Israel, it was clear that somebody or something held sway over the people and over their spiritual condition. I believe these verses in chapter 10 are a commentary on what's just happened in chapter 9. We read of that blind man that was healed. 
And when his friends and his neighbours find that he is healed, he has sight, what's the first thing they do? They go to the Pharisees. There's something has happened. We don't understand it. They go to the Pharisees. The Pharisees have held sway over them. We see in the interaction of the parents. The Pharisees drag the parents into the picture and they will not speak out against the Pharisees because they are held captive by these thieves and robbers. They threatened the people. They mocked the man. They excommunicated him. They held Christ to their own laws and found him wanting. By what authority did the Pharisees rule the people? They were the self-appointed shepherds of Israel. And yet they attacked the sheep instead of caring for them. They are the thieves and the robbers spoken about in verse 1. They had not got their position by legitimate means. They'd snuck in another way. They are not appointed by God. They didn't have the heart of a shepherd. They had the hearts of thieves and robbers. Why did Christ choose to use thief and robber? This is a bold claim after all, isn't it? Elsewhere in the scriptures, he calls the Pharisees serpents, a generation of vipers, whited sepulchres full of dead men's bones, In Luke chapter 11, verse 52, we read this, Woe unto you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, ye hindered. A.W. Pink is very helpful on this. He writes this, The Pharisees were thieves, insomuch as they seized positions which they had no right to occupy. They exerted an authority which did not justly belong to them, and unlawfully demanded a submission and a subjection which they could, to which they could establish no valid claim. This sheepfold of Israel was now ravaged by the ideas, the agendas and the influences of these false teachers. The people were confused. They were in bondage to rules and, relig- and religion itself as an end itself. The Pharisees' methods of towing the line of looking just right. They offered no hope for the poor in spirit. They offered no comfort for those that mourned, no advantage to the meek. There are many thieves and robbers today. False religion. Evolutionists who will put themselves in a position of great knowledge, steal steal the glory away from God or try to. Influencers who try to influence us to say that we can have the world. We need not follow God. There are many thieves and robbers who will try to lead us astray. Dare I say that there are pockets of the English church, like this sheepfold, full of goats. But as long as the goats bleat like sheep and look like sheep, then they will go unchallenged. If you're in a church today, but you're not professing Christ, you're still in this sheepfold. This is not the sheepfold we need to be in. How can I say that so firmly? Well, secondly, look at the actions of the shepherd. Into this sheepfold of danger and confusion inhabited by sheep belonging to many other shepherds, invaded by thieves and robbers, comes the shepherd. The word but at the beginning of verse 2 gives us a direct contrast to the thieves and the robbers. The main contrast is that those who have gone before They entered by illegitimate means. They were not 
appointed. But the shepherd enters the legitimate way. He entereth in by the door. He that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep through the door. The legitimate way. Now this is not to be confused with the other doors spoken of later in these verses. It's just a door. Christ in this instance is the shepherd. What Christ is saying here is that he presents himself to the sheep and to Israel as the Messiah in a lawful way. In strict accordance with the Holy Scriptures. He hasn't inserted himself. He is not a phony. He is the real deal. All the way through the Old Testament, we have slowly had revealed to us more of how the true Saviour will come. All the way from his conception, through to his birth, his childhood, and his adult life. And Jesus fulfilled every single one of these prophecies to a T. He was born of a virgin, from the tribe of Judah, in the royal city of Bethlehem. He fulfills the word of the prophets. He is legitimized, he is certified, he is validated by the way he enters into the public eye. In the morning, those shepherds would go back to that communal sheepfold. And the porter would grant them access. This shepherd then, he would raise his voice and call out his own sheep by name. It's a phenomenon that you can still witness. It's how they work in Israel. And the sheep would respond to his voice. There are people who have gone and tried to imitate the shepherd, tried to call out the sheep, and they won't come. They will only come to their shepherd. They're trained better than my dog. But this is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. Hidden away among the confused and misguided people of Israel, there were some of those that had been chosen by him in eternity past, before time began, and they belonged to Christ. And we read how he called out to them, Matthew, follow me. Zacchaeus, come down. I need to have dinner with you tonight. Philip, come to me. We read in verse 3, that the porter openeth, the sheep hear his voice, he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. He leads them out, out of the umbrella of Judaism, out of the umbrella and the influence of false teachers, out of the idea that by our works we can be saved by security in a church community, we are safe. He leads them out. The word uh, putteth forth, it's a very strong word. It means to eject. It means to expel them out of the place that they were. And that word leadeth out, it's the same word as cast. Like they cast out the blind man. You're not going to be there anymore. He leads them out. And he goeth before them. He doesn't drive them from behind. No, Christ leads his sheep out of this place as the eastern shepherds do. He leads from the front, carving a path, meeting any difficulty first, conquering death for us, showing the way for the sheep. Now, if the shepherd is getting his sheep out of this sheepfold, doesn't that show to us that that's not a place we want to be, not a place we want to stay? And thirdly, notice the reaction of the sheep. In verse 4, uh, so, sorry, in uh, verse 3, the sheep hear his voice. In a sense, every single sheep hears his voice, even those that don't belong to him. 
And there's a sense in which all men hear Christ calling them to himself. All men are witness to creation, which tells of a, of a creator. Many people, and everyone here today, has heard the gospel, has heard Christ calling us all to repentance. But those that respond to him are those that know him. They follow him at the end of verse 4, for they know his voice. It's a wonderful illustration of this in the, in the garden after Christ is risen from the dead. Mary Magdalene, she sees the gardener. She doesn't recognize him. It's Christ. And then he calls out her name, Mary. And at that, she knows who it is. She falls down and worships him. She loves him because she knows his voice. This is how a child of God reacts. They know him. There's another wonderful illustration. Those that want to follow him, sorry. They know him and they want to follow him. The sheep follow him. Stranger they will not follow. But in verse 4, the sheep follow him. This is what Christ's sheep do. They will follow him. In John chapter 1, verse 38, there's a wonderful little interaction. Christ has just been baptized. And Andrew goes and he's convinced that Christ is, this is the Son of God. And he goes and, goes and hangs around the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ turns to him and says, what seekest thou? What do you want? Now, if the Son of God asks me that question, I, I'm not sure what I would say. What do you want? There must have been a hundred things flashing through his mind. The answer is very interesting. Where do you live? We want to be where you are. We don't just want something from you. We want to follow you. And that is how Christ's sheep will react when they hear his voice. They will follow him. They recognize that he is the shepherd. He is not like those Pharisees. He is not like the people that worry and attack the sheep. He's a shepherd that can be trusted. He's a shepherd that will lay down his life for them. They want to be where he is. They want to love the things that he loves and do the things that he does. And in verse 5, they will not follow strangers. Christ's sheep will not follow anyone else. That doesn't mean that no Christian will ever be mistaken. But it does mean they will not be disciples of anyone else. You can't be a disciple of Muhammad and say you're a Christian. You can't be a disciple of a preacher and say that you are a Christian. They will only follow him. They will not be drawn back into the world. They will not follow other men. They hear his voice and they respond to it. I need to ask you and myself, are we following Jesus? Have we heard the gospel? Not for somebody else. Not just theoretically, but for ourselves. Have we heard through the reading and the preaching of Christ's timeless words, his voice, as it were, calling out from history, calling out to us, come out from the crowd. Come out from false religion. Come out from self-righteousness. Come out from the influence of others. Come out from sin. Follow me. Have you done that? It is essential that you do. 
The only safe place is with the shepherd, not in the crowd, not in a community, not even in a religious institution, only with Jesus Christ. There are many people who struggle and say, well, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure if, if I am one of those sheep. There's a simple question you can ask yourself. Are you following the shepherd? That is a sign that you are. Well, let's look at verse 6. There is a stark contrast between the sheep who, even though they are sheep and they are weak, they are given a, a certain level of discernment. And yet, we have these Pharisees. This is a plain and simple truth that Christ has just spoken. And yet, they were so spiritually blind, they couldn't understand it. They understood not what things they were, which he spoke unto them. That's the same with all the unsaved today. Until new life is given to us, these truths mean nothing. We can hear them again and again and they will mean nothing. We hear the words, we hear the voice of the shepherd, but we do not know it for what it is. We do not know him for what it is. So, Jesus, he changes the angle here. Not the message, but he does change the angle in verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. What is a door? A door is a very, very important thing. We couldn't be in this place if it was not for doors. A door is a method of entry. We use them every single day, but they're also a method of entry. If we were in this room and then all of a sudden we realized there were no doors, we'd all start getting a little bit twitchy because we, we would like to get out. In verse 7, he is speaking of a door as a method of exit. This is a metaphor, but he is saying that just as a door gives access from one place to another place, this is exactly what he does. He is the method of his sheep, his people, to leave false religion behind them, leave the influence of wicked men behind them, and follow him as the true and rightful shepherd as he leads them out. And he reaffirms In verse 8, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Now, it's not everyone. It doesn't mean that Moses was a thief and a robber and Daniel and David. But it means right now, people that have come and exerted their influence on these people, they are thieves and robbers. They're not to be trusted. They've suppressed and ruled the people and misguided them unlawfully. His sheep ignore them and they hear him and through him, These sheep came out of Judaism and were now his true church. And this brings us to the second sheepfold. And the picture here is of the sheepfold out among the hills where the shepherd would roll boulders together to form a barrier. And at night he would put his sheep in that that walled enclosure, a very rough and rugged enclosure. Now he couldn't hang a door on the boulders So the door would be he himself. The shepherd would lay down in the door and he would make sure the sheep don't escape and make sure nothing, no wolves, no predators could get in. I am the door in verse 9. That's when he's talking about the door of entry. He makes this statement and this is a very much more broader statement than the one in verse 7. In that, he's the door of the sheep. He's the door of for the sheep referenced in verses 1 to 5. This second sheepfold, he is now a door that if any man enter in, 
you shall be saved. This second sheepfold is the true church of Christ. His chosen people. Those for whom he laid down his life. This by extension represents citizenship in heaven itself. This sheepfold is a place much to be desired. But there is only one method of entry. By Jesus Christ himself. Some things about this door before we close. It is an exclusive door. He is not a door. He is not one of many doors. He is the door. He is the only way in. This isn't a slip of the tongue. Elsewhere he says, I am the way. The truth. The life. There is no other door. No other religion is a door. No other man is a door. My friend, if, if you haven't come to Christ and through Christ, I don't know where you are, but it's not in this sheepfold. It's an exclusive door. It is a universal door. By me, if any man, any man, enters in, there's no qualification. Now, up until this point, he's been talking about his elected people coming out from the old Jewish religion. But now he says, any man. In verse 16, we didn't read it. He's trying to explain this to his disciples. And he says, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. This fold being Judah. He's led his disciples into this new fold. And now he's saying to them, by the way, it's not just going to be you. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, old Judaism. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. It's a new sheepfold that he's setting up here. And any man can come in. Any human. Does anyone here think that they are somehow disqualified? God's word says otherwise. You may come. Listen to the words of Christ himself. Don't argue with him. Any man, that includes me. And that includes you. It is a door, though, that must be entered. A door is not simply to be admired. It may be a very, very beautiful door. But to take advantage of the door, one must enter through the door. Do not simply admire Christ from afar, my friend. Don't just learn about him, his beauty, his mechanisms. Don't simply watch on as other people go through the door. And leave you on the outside. Enter in at the door. And it is simply a door. It's not difficult to walk through a door, is it? It's not a tower. It's not a tunnel. Or as Islam teaches, a bridge narrower than a hair and sharper than a sword that we must walk over. It's a door. Won't you go in? What will we find on the other side of the door? Why would you enter through this door? In verse 9, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, what? He shall be saved. There is salvation on the other side of this door. Saved from false teachers, yes. Saved from our sin. Or more precisely, from the judgment due to us for our breaches of God's law. How? Well, just the next verse, verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. That is how he can give us salvation. 
There is salvation. On the other side of this door, there is also freedom. We can go in and out. That doesn't mean that we can slip out of heaven. But it means that this new sheepfold is not a prison. It's a home. We've known in the last couple of years what it's like to be in a place and not allowed to go out of it with lockdown. It can be the most wonderful home in the whole world, but if we're not allowed to go out, it soon starts feeling like a prison. That's not this second sheepfold. We are free when we go through Christ. Freedom to live. Freedom to fulfill the Great Commission. Some people think that Christianity is just about rules and regulations and loss of freedom. The reality is that until we are saved, we don't know what freedom is. We are simply enslaved to sin. And it is the truth that sets us free. Thirdly, there is satisfaction in this sheepfold. They will find pasture. That's all sheep need is pasture. Everything that we need, we will have through Christ. All our provisions met. Well, really, you say? My life seems to be pretty difficult. There's a problem with sheep. If you lead them always in the best pastures, they will eat so much that they kill themselves. And sometimes a shepherd needs to set them on a bit of a diet to keep them healthy. We can't just have the richest food, but we can be sure of one thing. We will have everything that we need and we will want for nothing that is for our good. Really, these three things, salvation, freedom and satisfaction, they can be summed up in one word. We find it in verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Those who follow this shepherd, who do not follow this shepherd, sorry, they are exposed, exposed to the thief who seeks to kill and to destroy. But those who follow him are promised life, not just survival, but abundant life. This word is not only about quantity, it's about quality of life. An ever-increasing, overflowing, ever-improving, full life. My friends, hear his voice. He is still in the business of calling his sheep. And could it be that your name is being called today? Trust him. Follow him. Enter through him. And be saved, every one of you. Amen. Let's sing together. Hymn number 501. Sovereign grace over sin abounding. Ransomed souls, the tidings swell. Tis a deep that knows no sounding. Who his, its breadth or length can tell? On its glories, let my soul forever dwell.
Add thy blessing to the words that have been spoken. O Lord, cause them to bring life into every one of our hearts. O Lord, may no one here be comfortable to just hide behind a, a veil of religion. May we each be seeking thee, hearing and answering thy call and following thee. Lord, enable each and every one of us to plant our footsteps in thy footsteps and to live ever close to the shepherd, the saviour, the one to whom all glory is due, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray and we seek these things in his name and for his glory alone. Amen.